Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Seniors Straight Talk, and they can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is now also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please remember to like, click, and share our episodes. I have two courses, which you can find on my website at www.phyllisaymanassociates.com. And for those listeners who I say are in SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, Resilience Toolbox Secrets will help you capture the three R's, recharge, reset, and recommit. And family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my latest course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. And please look out for my new course, scheduled to be out very soon, Coming Alive with Music and Communicating Effectively with Persons Having Dementia, who I am very proud to say I created with Dan Cohen, founder of Music and Memory and Write to Music. And my latest book, Dignity and Respect, Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve, is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes, and assisted living residences. And I'm also very proud to say that Dr. Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book. I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. And I anticipate an audio version of the book in the near future. Senior Straight Talk is also proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Seniors Straight Talk and Pass It On Network will continue bringing our listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm glad to welcome Olive Community Services, a nonprofit organization in Fullerton, California as a sponsor. Olive Community Services is dedicated to providing culturally appropriate services to the diverse senior population. And before I go any further, I have to thank Peter DeGear of DeGear Therapy Services, who is a colleague and consultant specializing in rehabilitation therapy services in nursing homes. And now to introduce today's guest, Ben Rao. Ben Rao is an author, lifelong entrepreneur, philanthropist, and senior care advocate who lives in Lee's Summit, Missouri. And I am glad to say that I actually met Ben a couple of years ago under different circumstances. So it's really nice to have him here again talking about his latest book and some of his latest initiatives. Ben was raised in Louisville, Kentucky by his stepfather, Tom, and his mother, Pila, who devoted 40 years in not-for-profit senior services. Ben experienced firsthand the emotional and financial struggle that families face when he was unexpectedly confronted with the reality of transitioning, I'm sorry, Tom, into senior care. He was challenged by the lack of direction and resources available for a process that nearly all of us will eventually need to go through, either for ourselves or for our family members. And many have already done so or are experiencing it now. That experience inspired Ben to use his personal and professional experience in the long-term care industry to help families transition their loved ones into senior care. And on a personal note, Ben lives with his wife, Rhonda, and their two children, Maddie and Charlie, in a renovated historic building that was once the Lee's Summit Hospital and the Dayton Hotel in downtown Lee's Summit, Missouri. 
He developed Lee's Summit first entrepreneurial incubator and office space in a formerly vacant post office, which is where I met Ben, and it is quite an extraordinary space to see, I must say. He works there alongside his trusty sidekick, Charlie Dog, a border collie who has gone to the office with him every day for the last 10 years. So now I'm so proud to be able to introduce you to Ben, and um, it's so great to have you here, Ben. Two, almost two years later, I think it was uh, the summer of 2019, correct? It probably was. Thank you for having me on the show, Phyllis. It's a small, small world that we didn't know each other, and you were right here in our space, and then here we are again, right? Yeah, and, and I should tell people networking and social media is really so important. Uh, we talk about isolation and loneliness in this COVID situation, and not that um, uh, networking and social media wasn't important before, but I think it's been brought to the con the the the. Um, I think it's been brought to the center or of the conversation right now, to the forefront, I should say. That was the word I was looking for. And the it. reason I say that is because this is how we reconnected. So I just want to tell this to people so they should think about this moving forward for themselves and for their family members to encourage people to reach out to people maybe they knew a long time ago. You reached out to me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, because you saw the work I was doing and we went up and back a couple of times and your name rang a bell. So I reached back into my contact list and realized I had your cell phone number <laughs> and that we had met and that I text you and here we are now. So yeah. I, I encourage people to think about people they knew in the past and um, and reach out because you can make some extraordinary connections and make some extraordinary things happen. So. Tell us about the title of your book, since I, I mentioned that, you, you know, that was, that's one of your most recent endeavors. Um, tell us the title, what, what the book is about, how people can find it, and how it can be helpful for them. Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, so, so the book is titled Paying for Long-Term Care. And what I was trying to build was a really friendly resource book for families, typically adult child. Um, that, that have a senior that's transitioning into care, many times assisted living, memory care, skilled nursing. But that, that happens at that crisis mode, as you know, that, you know, there's a discharge moment that says mom can't go home. And, and then the family's like, what do we, what do, what do you mean? And what do we do? <laughs> and, um, you know, back with my stepfather, that was years ago that I went through all of those different stages. Um, you know, Tom was getting sick. We said we can solve this with home care, home health care. He then needed help being transferred. He was a very big guy. So then we had to get a different, you know, a different person in that was big enough to help him and lift him and, and move him. And then it got to the point that, okay, we, this isn't going to work. We're going to have, we're going to have to consider assisted living. And I knew nothing about assisted living and most families don't. And I had no idea what it was going to cost. I had no idea how we were going to pay for it. I had no idea what his, what his assets were, what he had, what he didn't have. Um, and so that took a lot of effort and digging to do, to get through all that, to figure that out. And I still had no idea. I lived in Kansas city or in Lee summit outside of Kansas city. And I grew up in Louisville and that's where he lived. And I had a half sister that lived outside of Louisville. And so as many times, there's always that one child that ends up staying close to mom or dad. And so then she got stuck being the responsible child because she was local, which meant she had much more stress, responsibility and effort because I was eight hours away. And, you know, I was going back and forth. It didn't make sense to fly. The airport's 40 minutes from where I live. I'm like, I'll just get in the car and I'll get out of the door early and I'll book some phone calls and I'll talk for, for seven hours on the phone. And next thing you know, I'll be in Louisville. And, um, and that's, that's what I was doing two or three times a month for a long time. And, you know, it was stressful on my family. And, you know, I was getting pulled in different directions. Like many times adult children are, you're getting pulled from, getting pulled from my family, getting pulled from the care community. You know, um, I, I, the siblings, I didn't have the issues with the siblings that many people do. And a lot of people that we meet and talk to, I, I didn't have that issue, but you know, siblings can never agree on anything. You think they're going to agree on where they're going to put mom <laughs> and what they're going to spend the money on and who's, what are we doing with all the stuff and who's going to get what and you know, the house and what are we going to do with it? And I thought mom had a long-term care insurance policy. Well, she does. I think, no, it's a life insurance policy. I was wrong. You know, there's all this is all swirling around during this. And, 
it wasn't until I really got involved professionally into the senior living industry that I was able to reflect back on what I went through, seeing a lot of the families through the companies I'm a partner in going through that today. And I said, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I bet I can write a book that people can understand. It's very easy <laughs> down to earth and not, not something that's so technical that you might write, Phyllis, or, or, or the, you know, that, that uh, you know, it's just easy to read. And so what I attempted to do was put together a roadmap that I created in a, in a system that a family that's going through this can at least have, hey, this is, this is my path. You know, I'm going to start with how do I assess care? And then I'm going to figure out what are all the assets that my, my family member or loved one has? And, and, and what are all those things? And how do I combine them and look at them? And once we do that, a lot of people want to skip all that part and they want to go straight to Google and just say, assisted living near me, nursing home right, near please. me, right? <laughs> and, and there's a lot of challenges with that um, for different reasons. One, you don't even know what you need. You wouldn't go, although right. I do go to the store sometimes hungry and I buy things <laughs> I don't need, but you, would, you, know, you, you wouldn't go to a store, you know, to, to a hardware store because you're building a tree house and right. not know what you need, right? It's, right, right. So, you know, being able to have a, a path, just a simple path of those. And then once, once you know what you need, then you look at what are the different options on how I pay for care? You know, do I, you know, VA and Medicaid and life insurance conversions? And do I have a long-term care policy? Do we need to sell the house? What are the assets? And so I talk about that in a big part of the book because there's a lot of people, even vets, I'm amazed to hear the number of veterans that don't have any idea that there's VA aid and attendance available oh. to help them to pay for care. Absolutely. Let me inter, uh, interject there yes, because yes. I, um, I did a, a show on that with a gentleman who is a consultant uh, for aid and attendance benefits. And mm -hmm. it's, it's an incredible amount of money that's out there that people don't know about. Uh, one of the issues that I have with that especially is that there are people in nursing homes that may not even need to be in nursing homes because this money would be available to them to live in the community and get services there. And there are also people in assisted living who are entitled to those benefits who uh, would be able to use those benefits to pay for a pricier assisted living residence. So there are many aspects to the aid and attendance benefit that, that people really do need to know about. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, sure. And so that's, that's a great example of, it's not that complicated. That chapter is only four or five pages, but it just talks about what's available for veterans, what's there. Right. Thank you for your service. You know, people don't know when they're, now that we know that we need care, what do we do? Is it, is it veterans? Is it long-term care? Is it, you know, people are like, I have Medicare. I, that'll pay for my long-term care. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, it won't. no. And, and you're, what you're thinking of is Medicaid and it might not, you might not be poor enough. Right. Uh, actually, uh, I, I left something out. The spouse of a veteran is also entitled to the aid absolutely. And, and attendance benefit. I, I wanted to add that. I yeah, absolutely. That. So it's if it's basically the veteran served an active point of war, and I talk about what those at least are. one day of active service. Well, yeah, just one day. Right. And so I, I, I do at least that. One day of active service. Correct. Uh, the other thing I want to say is I always I've been telling people for years, uh, just based on what you said. People don't get this information beforehand. I've no. been encouraging people for years to plan by choice, not by crisis. Being informed um, is being forearmed, uh, that you don't know what the situation will be. And more than likely, as with your stepfather, somebody's going to get a phone call at some point in time that something happened, and now their loved one is in the hospital, ready to be discharged any day, uh, because as we know, the hospital doesn't keep people for a long period of time unless it's, you know, a serious situation. And um, yeah, now they have to go into a short term. More than likely, people go into long term care through the short term system. And sure. what questions should you ask? Just like you said, what, what are the care needs? What questions should you ask? If people actually can find this information out way beforehand. And I always tell people, if they could go to a hospital discharge planner and say, these are the five places that I have looked into that I'd like my loved one to be able to transition to um, when they need rehabilitation. And, and actually, it will take 
most hospital discharge planners back on their heels because they have a prescribed way of looking at it. And, and, I'm, and, and sometimes they have relationships that have nothing to do with your loved one. I'm not saying they're bad people, but these are realities. And so um, it's always better to go in with the information that, that you feel would best serve your loved one. Sure. And, and people are reluctant. They think they don't plan for these things, but they do because they have car insurance if they own a car and they have life insurance. And I say every single time I bought burial insurance, am I planning to be buried uh, tomorrow? No, but I have it. So people do plan for these eventualities. And actually, even more so, they have organ donor cards on your driver's license. So people really are thinking of these things, even though they're not consciously aware. This would be so much more productive to get this information beforehand. Yeah, so I think think part part of the challenge that we have is that people don't want to think about it. And they don't want to, they don't want to talk about it. And really, the earlier that we can get people educated and engaged, the more flexibility and options that they have, you know, for the more choices they have. Correct. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that with this book, that people may be picking it up or getting connected to it because they're going through it. But if the adult child can be educated through this process, so I try to take it to like, I look at it and say, can I get them from zero to 50% of what they need to know? And now they're armed with so much more information, understand what the process is, what's going on, what could happen, what are the different levels of care? You know, you're not alone. It's okay to be stressed. So right. I handle some, some emotional stuff in the book. Um, we handle some, some technical stuff about the industry. Um, we've put a process in place to kind of at least give them some track to run on. So they're not just all over the place. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, a third of the book or more is all about the different options to pay for care. You know, there's the part of the book I write about, people don't realize that there's actually funding and under uh, funding available for seniors that have been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And so we have, we've put together resources all over the country and we put together a technology widget that we have on the website that somebody can take a assessment on that, on that particular page. And if they kind of make it through that assessment in a positive way, there's a good chance there could be money available for them. And so we, we basically refer that out to that network. And those attorneys specialize in working with people that have been exposed to typically asbestos. And what's starting to happen now is there's more coming on for farming and other things where you've been exposed and yeah. long-term side effects of pesticide, asbestos. But what people don't realize is you're not going to court. There's these $30 billion trust funds that are available that are out there. They're going to expire in about seven years. And that right. money's there whether somebody takes it or not. And so you're going through basically an application process to see if you qualify for that money. So they do a deposition over the phone. There's no court. There's none of that. And all different ranges of what's available, but that's just one, one, one more way. Um, I talk about using HSAs. There's some really creative ways to use an HSA to start yes. bolstering that to, to pay for care. A health service account. I just want to, yes. for people who might not be familiar with that acronym, you know, when you're talking with people in the industry, we know what these terms mean, but sometimes sure. they're foreign to other people. So I just want to clarify, HSA <laughs> is a health services account. Yeah, so that's one of the few acronyms I use in the entire book, um, just because of the, who the audience is, and I'm trying to educate them so they don't feel lost or overwhelmed. Because you know, the senior living industry are really proud of their are they really proud of their acronyms? <laughs> How many of them can we put behind our name and all those things? I, you know? I don't remember if it's in my first. Well, actually, I do have a few acronyms behind my name. I know but, you do. <laughs> uh, but um, and you should, she's lighting up, smiling right now. <laughs> she's so proud of it. And this is this is what's intimidating. To to the families because right. really at the center of all this, this all comes crashing down on the family. So Correct. let's take a typical scenario. My, my dad, my stepfather was in Louisville, but many times, oh, this is a, there's, this is an amazing scenario. So I'm working on a short 90 minute um, educational documentary. Um, I, I went through, a, uh, we did a whole tour of a, of a CCRC or a um, continuum of care. So they had um, independent living, they had assisted living, memory care, and, um, and and they did not have skilled nursing at this particular one. But this was a whole walkthrough interview. We're interviewing employees. We're talking about, you know, how nice of a place this is. And I stopped to have a conversation with a lady who is really smiley and I'm talking to her and 
you know, this takes me all the way back to when I was a kid. My mother worked in nursing homes when I was a kid. And when I didn't have school, I would go to the nursing home and I would be hanging out, drinking sodas, eating chips in the activities room in the basement with like, what's that weird smell? And it wasn't the seniors. It was because they had a salon on that level too. And it was all the perm. <laughs> and then, you know, then I was wandering around the nursing home, sitting on people's laps and, and making all these seniors smile because I had this big blonde, bushy blonde hair. And, and, and you uh, still are a cute guy, I have to say. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, so the, um, I'm talking to this lady and she's really engaged. And I say, oh, where are you from? And she says, uh, um, I'm from Overland Park, and that's a suburb of Kansas City. And I said, oh, so this, so this is home for you. And she said, yeah. And then she said, I've lived here for three years. I said, oh. She, and then she went on to say, yeah, and I still have my house and all my stuff's in it. Um, and I can't do anything with the house because my son lives in Denver and my daughter lives on the East Coast. And we've just not been a good time to deal with it. And I said, and we could talk some more. And then she made a comment that she was 95 years old. And I'm like, 95? I thought you were like 80, 82. Well, you should have seen her light up then. But <laughs> but, but I, I had no idea. Uh, and she was like really, really alert and there. And she was dressed to the nines as far as a sweater and looked great. I Actually, my first comment to her was like, I love your shoes, right, as I was walking by. And so it was just, it was interesting to hear somebody that really had it together, had family that lived in a pretty nice place and they're still hanging on to the house with all the stuff in it because they don't know what to do. And, this, and my whole point of this is that, you know, the house is a way to fund, fund care, but many times families get hung up because of the stuff. Uh, you know, the stuff, the stuff is, is, is more difficult than the house for lots of reasons. What the hell are we gonna do with it? It's all these, it's all these lifetime of memories. How are we going to sort through all of it? Right. And I think it's going to take a weekend and it ends up taking three months later, three years say, later. I was going to say two months at least, right? Right. right. And I think, and, and, and part of that, I talk about that in the book because the families don't realize that's a bigger issue than, and it's also one of the stressors. Right. Absolutely. That, yeah. But no, I was just, I'm sorry. Go when ahead. you said stressor, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but. One of the greatest um, areas of, of grief has to do with selling a home. Uh, yes, it's a loss of a loved one. Yes, it's divorce. But selling a home and is, is another large uh, area that causes grief for people and loss. It's very difficult to, to let go of, like you said, a lifetime of memories. Not easy. I want to just address something that you said, because it's a, I don't want to say a pet peeve of mine, but uh, as I've uh, really gotten into this whole area and have realized that I, I, I personally believe that the root cause of some of the less than adequate care and treatment that our older loved ones have or older adults in our societies, in our communities, in our family and especially in nursing homes, and is, is ageism, is our attitude yeah. about people that are older adults. I agree. So one of the things that you just said, because I've been talking about it, and it really, yeah. I really kind of heard it, somebody say it a while back, and it really, it really resonated with me. I mean, I really like heard it. You know how when you hear something and all of a sudden it really, you know, rings a bell? Yeah. Yeah. So this person said to me that this person was 92 and they were real they were as sharp as a tack. And I said, hmm. The predominant way of thinking is that an older person isn't. And it shouldn't be that. Because there are a number of people that aren't, doesn't mean that it's uh, unusual or that it should be thought of unusual for somebody 92 or 95 to be short of his attack with great shoes and really with it in a great sweater. <laughs> and so when you said it, it, it harkened back yeah. you know, to me when I heard that person say that's that. A, yeah, that's a, that's a really, that's a really good point. And it's, um, I think, I think that, you know, there's a lot of issues around ageism that we have to educate people about. Um, you know, I, did I mean it negatively? No, no absolutely. But, Absolutely but but not. but but is it you know there's plenty of things that were culturally okay to say that aren't now so um 
you know, that's it's uh she was sharp as a tack though. <laughs> <laughs> I I will tell you this. I have in the last couple of weeks, I came up with this concept and I've presented it to a few people that thought it was pretty interesting. Even a call that I was on earlier today, I was doing a presentation for this group on aging and research and uh, with a number of different thought leaders and professionals. And uh, I wrote an article about it. I'm not sure where it's going to get placed yet, but it's about the idea that we're all emerging or evolving elders. And if we think of ourselves that way, it's not an easy thing to do. Maybe it will transform attitudes about older people because it's an active process happening out inside of us, not those people over there happening to them or our future selves, which none of us can really imagine. So I'm really trying to promote this idea of changing that way of thinking in that language, because then maybe we won't point to older people that way, because that really is us. What yeah. do you think? I like it. I like it. I mean, you know, I'm sure, uh, you know, when I think about my kids who are in college and they look at their dad, they're like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm older. We're all, we're all, we're all getting older. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's, no avoid, there's no avoiding that. As I, as I wrote in this article, what are the alternatives? The alternative is not something that you want to embrace, right? So you right. might as well embrace the journey into your later years. And that, that brings up a good point because part of what I want to talk about in the book is um, some of that is getting the family on the same page. Right. Some, some different strategies on that because it's very difficult. There's different dynamics, different personalities, different things going on. Um, and that's just going to be normal and giving a little bit of, of some framework on how to, how to try to do that. Kind of the, 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 last, the last kind of 10 to 15% of the book, I kind of talk about things of like, you know, forward thinking for the adult child. It's like, you know, there's things you can be doing now and thinking about that don't cost money really to elongate or extend your life. And, you know, some of that is diet and some of that is exercise. Right. And it's amazing to see all the emerging technology that's coming into the senior space. And I think some of that's been accelerated just because of what we've been through for the last year with COVID. Um, I, I heard somebody reference something they'd read yesterday, and it said that the, 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 the 65 and older have taken a 10-year step forward in the last 12 months in technology. Oh, absolutely. So think, think about, right? You know, think, think about where we were 14 months ago and that most people didn't do Zoom calls. Most right. people didn't understand the technology. And I think it's forced a lot of technologies to think about, and even the care communities to think about how they do business. So although we've had a lot of bad out of COVID, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation and a lot of, and a lot of interesting things happening in the senior living industry um, because of it. I could tell you one example that somebody gave me about an inter, a wonderful intergenerational piece that came about or experience that came about was uh, the conversation I think that was with Bob Kramer, a phenomenal thought leader. Uh, I think that was last week's uh, episode. Anyway, um, um, Bob Kramer had said that he found out about this particular nursing home where, you know, because people were isolated in their rooms, they had people delivering the tray, the food trays into the people's rooms. And many of the people who work in the kitchen were younger people. And when they went to the people's rooms, they found out that these people were having difficulty with Zoom or FaceTime or some of the technology. They were trying to connect with their families or loved ones or friends. And so this younger person was now teaching the older person how to work the te technology. And in turn, the older person was starting to talk to the younger person about what, they, what their aspiration was, their goals, and some of their experience, and became a, a, a very nice intergenerational relationship. So I think you're right. There are many opportunities here with COVID that will be very positive moving into the future. Yeah. So not. anyway, Ben, I think this has been fantastic. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was great reconnecting with you yes, after almost you. two years. And uh, so tell us again how people can find your book, the title of the book, how people sure. can reach you, any, of, any way that you'd like to tell people about yeah, it. Yeah, so uh, you can find me. My first name is Ben. Last name is Rayo, R-A-O. You can find me on LinkedIn. 
Um, the book is Paying for Long-Term Care. And you can just search Paying for Long-Term Care in Amazon and you'll find it either on Kindle or in the paperback. Um, you can also do it on the Paying for Long-Term Care website. You can also, there's links there to go to Amazon and uh, or a copy of the ebook there. I will add that we didn't talk about it, but there's almost 20 different resources on that Paying for Long-Term Care website for families that are free, that are downloads, uh, things where if you wanna do a comparison of three different care communities, and I give three pages of questions to ask, or you wanna make your home more senior uh, friendly and safe, there's things that you can do there. Or you wanna download a sheet, uh, how do I calculate and what assets should I be thinking about? There's downloads there. There's introductions to different professionals in the industry. We talked about the resources for seniors that have been diagnosed with cancer. Um, there's a lot of different things there, and I have a lot of connections you know, nationally to be able to help families. When I started this project, I'm like, I'm going to do this book, and I'm hoping I'm going to help some families. And now it's turned into a little bit of a groundswell that I'm starting to get a, a lot of other people interested in helping get behind it. So now I'm starting to think, oh, I might, I might be able to impact, you know, it went from hundreds to could it be thousands, could it be tens of thousands, could it be hundreds of thousands, um, could it be millions? I mean, it, it's, it's such a good playbook for families that they can understand, easy to read, lots of resources. Um, so I'm really excited. We hit Amazon bestseller on the second day um, in two categories. And, you know, the book launches on March 25th. Awesome. I, I just, um, I think it's all fantastic. And I have to say that I also have had you know, success with some similar areas, downloads, questions people should ask. I have a different perspective, but it comes down to the same thing. I come from a very inside perspective because I've worked in 50 nursing homes. So a lot of the information that I give to people is, is from a, a critical inside perspective that, you know, a lot of other people might not have. So it's not just about asking questions, but understanding the information behind the questions, some, some critical care kinds of questions to ask um, that you should know the, the background for, follow-up questions. Uh, because for me, it's not just asking the questions, but what answers should you be getting? Right, do you yeah. know if those are the correct answers or not? Well, so, I, think, I think with your expertise and your background, and, you know, much more clinical than, than I am that, you know, I'm trying to get them from zero to 50. I think you're picking up where I'm leaving off at, you know, 50 to 100. That, that's very possible. And right, maybe, we right. should maybe we should collaborate and make it a total package. We just need a chapter right in the middle, right? Yeah. Just to connect it, right? <laughs> so uh, I know that um, I'm going to have uh, the second half of our podcast is going to be more in terms of... Uh, family care space and their long-term care insurance program, helping families get dollars from, uh, from long-term care insurance providers. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And I talk about that in the book, you know, so long-term care insurance is a great thing to have. The challenge is, is that people pay for it for 20 years. And a lot of those, there's been a huge consolidation in that industry. And so there's third-party administrators, there's offshore call centers, um, policies are complicated. The, the terminology has changed in them. Um, you, know, you know, that's part of how I got into this business, as you know, Phyllis, that, you know, I'm, I'm a partner in Family Solutions for Care. And that you, you can find that resource at familysolutionsforcare.com. Um, that, that company, all we do is specialize in being an advocate for families that have a senior that have a long-term care policy and that they are transitioning into some kind of care. Could be home health care, could be assisted living, could be memory care, but we are ninjas when it comes to fighting the insurance companies on behalf of the families and being able to maximize the benefits. And one of the neat things that you'll hear in that segment is that we have the ability to go back two years and actually look at all the medical history. And a lot of times we can find stuff that qualifies in that policy and get families huge refunds. Right. So um, that will, so I'm thrilled to be able to have, you know, the second half of this podcast about how family care, family solutions for care can work for families and get them that valuable information. So Ben, I, I just have to say thank you so much. And um, 
you know, I hope we'll be able to reconnect soon. And maybe there's a collaboration for us uh, here someplace. Sounds like there might be. Okay. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. Take care and um, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high-quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. All of Community Services is a 501c3 that provides culturally appropriate services to seniors, their family, and the community. Through their interactive programs, Olive engages participants physically and mentally with a focus on building strength, mobility, and mental health. To learn more, get involved, or make a donation, visit olivecs.org. Together, let's live, learn, and thrive. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here in this segment with Wendy Reinhardt from Family Solutions for Care, a wonderful company that helps families get their much-deserved resources from long-term insurance companies. I'd like to tell you a little bit about Wendy's background because, indeed, it is quite impressive. And Wendy herself is impressive because I met her several years ago. Wendy worked as an emergency services specialist for the American Red Cross, serving active-duty military families in crisis. During the early 1990s, Wendy established the first support group for the families of the men and women deployed in Desert Storm, Desert Shield. In the same position, Wendy also worked with families that they lost everything in disaster situations. She traveled the country on national disaster assignments and was promoted within the Red Cross system. She worked as public relations spokesperson, family services supervisor, and eventually Director of Disaster Operations. In Kansas City, after working with many mothers that lost children in homes without a working fire detector, Wendy started a free fire detector installation program locally, and the program earned her national recognition and a scholarship from the American Red Cross. In 1993, Kansas City was hit with historical flooding. Wendy was appointed director of the massive relief effort and worked tirelessly to help families start over. While working for the Red Cross, Wendy completed her bachelor's degree in business administration. She then became the first female executive director of the American Red Cross in Decatur, Illinois. She instantly put the Decatur chapter on the map, bringing in keynote speaker Elizabeth Dole for a fundraising event. This was followed almost immediately by a concert by Peter Buffett, youngest son of Warren Buffett. And yes, Warren Buffett came to town. And that's where Wendy met her husband, David, while instructing new executive directors of the American Red Cross on how to run a disaster operation. And it was love at first sight. Within a year, they were married. And Wendy became executive director of the Girl Scouts. She relocated to Iowa. And then the story continues about family solutions for care. So now I'm welcoming Wendy to continue the story from there, because I don't think our listeners really want to hear me tell the rest of your story. 
Right. Uh, well, thank you very much. It's boring actually hearing all that stuff, but <laughs> I, think uh, I, am fascinating. I think if nothing else, people know that know me as a problem solver. So whenever I see a problem um, or experience a problem, I figure out a way to fix it. So <clears throat> after my husband and I got married I, and I was executive director of the Girl Scouts, um, I, I was I had an opportunity to move into the insurance world, which sounds far like a far away from the not-for-profit world but I saw it as a calling I saw selling long-term care insurance to give family members dignity and choice and peace of mind I saw that as a noble profession so I became an agent selling long-term care insurance with General Electric and I became number one in the country um, in terms of numbers of families that I helped and I loved it I was very passionate about it and Fast forward a few years into my career doing selling long-term care insurance and families started going on claims, some of my own clients, um, but I started hearing kind of whispers among our agent group, our workforce, that gosh, it's not quite as easy to get those benefits as we thought it would be when we first started selling these policies. Uh, I don't think that's, all, that's exclusive to long-term care insurance, right? Yeah, I would agree with you, but, but it was, you know, that was the lane that I was in. That was what I knew and what I understood. So I had a client call me and I learned that she had been taking care of her husband who had Lewy body dementia. She had been taking care of him for five years and she herself had some issues with hip problems, knee problems and rotator cuffs problems. In fact, she had surgery on everything um, because she was the sole caregiver that was five years she took care of him when she had a policy that was a Cadillac plan that would have given them both dignity, choice, and peace of mind. But what happened is she called the insurance company to get a claim going and the insurance company didn't do anything wrong. They just sent her the paperwork with the claim paperwork and she got overwhelmed. So she never even opened the envelope. She didn't call me until five years in, and I immediately went over but to, to their home. It took me two weeks to get someone in there, an assessor in there from the insurance company. And we're in a metropolitan area. We're, you know, Kansas City, Missouri is where we're located, and it's not that small. We should have been able to have uh, an assessor in there within 24 hours. So that was an eye-opening experience. Uh, a couple of years later, my brother, uh, who was young, had cancer, and he was 57, and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And when I called the insurance company to get his claim going, I was given inaccurate information. And of course, I knew better because I'd been in the industry so long. And I went between rage and tears several times and uh, told the claim person that answered the phone that I would not be talking to him anymore. And I was able to, um, through the connections my husband and I had made, I was able to call the head of that insurance company and get it set right. But after we got, after my brother passed, um, we just, I was determined and I went uh, to talk with my husband and we just put together a game plan and said, the insurance industry gave a promise to these seniors that they would fulfill and pay these benefits and it's not happening as smoothly as we thought. We have to find a solution. So we looked around, we did some beta testing. Uh, we, we didn't find a solution, so we made our own. So in 2012, uh, we actually did a little beta testing in 2011, but in 2012, we launched a company that became nationwide within our first six weeks. Wow. Um, yeah, it was. It surprised us too, but it was pent up need, pent up up demand. So <clears throat> now um, we've been doing. This is our tenth year now of actually being in the trenches and helping families with their long term care insurance contracts and life insurance contracts that have riders on them and other types of financial products that will pay for long term care. Can I just ask you a quick question? Because mm -hmm. there are people now that say it's very difficult to get long-term care insurance policies and what you have to go through to get them and what you have to wade through to read, to understand them is, is almost daunting 
So is that accurate that you can't really get the uh, long-term care insurance policies or it's difficult? Well, it, it's, it's absolutely accurate. So a lot of families don't realize that to actually purchase long-term care insurance, you have to do that while you have pretty decent health. So we do get families that call us wanting to buy long-term care insurance, but it's too late when they're needing care. Right. So I recommend people look into the purchase of long-term care or products that have riders with long-term that cover long-term care in their 50s and maybe early 60s while they still have good health because they still have to health qualify. Uh, we don't sell it, so now we can be really an unbiased counselor, but we recommend um, we. We have some agencies and some agents that we will recommend families talk to if they want to learn more about the purchase of long-term care insurance. So you want to look at things like what is the daily benefit? Inflation riders are very, very, uh, they add to the premium, but they're very important. So you don't want a dollar's worth of coverage today when next or 30 years from now, it's going to be 10 times more. So you want to make sure that your benefits are going to go up with the economy. So, so, oh, I just wanted to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just don't want to lose this thought that I had, which sure. is if people do uh, seek out long-term care insurance and they have these extensive policies, I mean, I think I've heard you say before that they could be 30 or 40 pages. How would a person wade through that? Or does your company help them in that process? Or can your company help them in that process? Yeah, absolutely. So I, and I appreciate that question. We recommend um, that you always maintain a copy, a full copy of the contract. So it's usually 30 to 40 pages. And yes, our company, we, we, we are referred families from across the country. And even if they're not currently a, a needing a claim, um, we will go through their policy with them. Um, we review all pages because this, the, what a lot of families are, believe is that the schedule of benefits will give them all the information they need in order to understand their contract. And there are 400,000 varieties of these long-term care policies that have been issued. There's no real standard or uniform coding. So the contracts are very complex and it's the fine print that really tells you how the contracts work. So if you have long-term care insurance, you should always have a copy of the policy. If your parents have long-term care insurance, you should get a copy of their policy and make sure that you have access to it and read it. And don't call the insurance company until you have it in your hand. Right. So what if someone has a long-term care insurance policy and they're having difficulty making headway with the long-term care insurance provider from whom they purchased this policy, how would Family Solutions for Care help them and how would they reach out to Family Solutions for Care? And, and, and are there specific guidelines that you tell people that they should look for uh, when right. seeking out? Great. Great question. So we, we love to talk with families before they have a claim or at, the, at least at the very beginning of, of their claim time when the health has just started to change and the family realizes that they need to be looking. So we love for families to call us and I, I'll, I'll be a, a little advertising. Our phone number is 844-858-4500. But we love for families to call us and we will go through all the details of their policy. We ask them to send us a copy by fax, mail, email, upload. We, we help them get a copy of the policy to us and we review key points of the contract. So we review things such as the daily, monthly and yearly benefit and whether or not there's an, a, a total cap or if it's an unlimited policy. Um, we, what, does that mean? what does that mean? Good question. So a lot of the policies that were purchased in the 1990s, people bought unlimited or lifetime benefits, which is a beautiful thing. If, they, if you still have a, one of those policies, hang on to it because they don't exist anymore. You can't buy them anymore. But those early policies just had an open-ended claim opportunity. 
Um, <clears throat> now, most policies, though, have a cap. Um, it's very common for people to buy a three-year policy. Um, and what that really means is they're buying a, a benefit pool that's a bucket of money that they can use for care. It might be used up in three years, but it could last longer. So three, four, or five-year contracts is kind of what we are seeing people purchase now, as opposed to the longer policies, the longer benefit pools uh, of the past. But part of the reason that people have dropped them is because the premiums have skyrocketed. Right. I, I just am so frustrated for that because it's so unfair to clients that are in their 90s and now they're stuck and they have to pay premiums, but they're not quite claim eligible. So it's very frustrating. But we, we like to help families um, try to encourage them to hold on to what they have. Uh, the chances are that policy is really going to do them a lot of good once they need it if they don't make any changes. So when they're looking in, when we're talking with a family, we help them figure out not only what their benefits are, but how do you get them? Right. So that's the challenge, right? So because it, we used to tell families that, you know, once you need help because you're not working so good from the, from the neck down or the, or the neck up, this policy will start paying. Well, that's probably a generous description of how it works. It actually works a little more complicated. So you've got to have the contract. Um, you've got to really understand that contract before you can have a good, a good claim. Uh, and that means reading every page or letting us help you read every page. And I never mean to be insulting to our audience and tell them they can't read because a lot of good people can read those fine details. But our team knows the nuances to look for. Right. So it's it's slightly different than other contracts. So we look at, we help them understand that the elimination period is a big part of, we have a lot of discussion with clients about that. The elimination period is just a period of time that the insurance company is not going to pay. Well, what a lot of families don't realize is that care that happened before they called us or before they moved their loved one into an assisted living facility just might qualify so that it could be applied towards their elimination period. So in other words, 80% of the time we talk with a family, there is prior care that can be applied towards their deductible. That means they don't have to come up with any or as much down payment on their move-in. And that's yeah. families. So we help them also understand um, how the policy benefits are triggered. So policies, for the most part, and they're not all the same, because like I said, there's 400,000 variations. Um, for the most part, policies will pay because you need help with activities of daily living. And there is a standard list of six things, bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring, continence, and eating. Correct. However... Not every policy uses that same list. So you have to know what your list is specific to your policy. And then you also need to know, will it pay for standby assistance? Meaning I'm still doing these things for myself, but I have someone near that I could call out to for help in case I get in trouble in bathing, for instance. Or will it pay for hands-on assistance only? A policy that will only pay for hands-on assistance is a lot more restricted. It right. means a lot more documentation that's going to be required before that's going to pay out benefits. It's not impossible, but it is more restricted. So those are just a couple of things that we help families really scour through to figure out how does this policy work. But another thing I want to mention on getting the policy to pay is a lot of families, and, and I would have thought this too before I started helping families with claims, a lot of families believe that once they have a diagnosis of dementia, a documented diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's or some other form of memory loss, that that's enough to file and get a claim approved. Mm -hmm. and in fact, what we've realized is what we've learned in the last 10 years is memory only claims or dementia only claims are actually harder to get approved. And, Why is and, that? Why is that? I, I think 
you know, I don't want to give the carriers too hard of a time because they are trying to be good stewards of the what they've been charged with, you know, the financials that they've been charged with protecting. They don't want to pay a claim too soon. And what they know is that someone can have a memory diagnosis, a memory loss diagnosis for quite some time before they actually need supervision or assistance. That's true. Mm -hmm. Right. It is true. And and if you think about it, it's a fairly practical thing. I mean, that's reality. Um, Many people can can take care of lots of things, but they can't remember, you know, their next door neighbor's name. So, but it, but it doesn't really impair them from taking care of themselves. So when, uh, when we're working with a family and there's a memory diagnosis, we just try to shore up a claim by making sure that there's a need and, and documentation for, uh, at the minimum, supervision of their activities of daily living. So we use the two benefit triggers of physical and memory loss together to make sure that the claim gets approved. And, and if they don't have a need for supervision, they, they may not be claim eligible quite yet. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, though. That, that, does. that does make right. sense. I mean, in all fairness, right? Right. And, and, and we try to be good stewards of the industry. We try to help. We're, we are stewards of the contract itself. So we help families understand that the, their long-term care policies. And then our goal is just to get that contract to act as it's supposed to right. and in the front door with the right documentation. So part, a big part of the challenge is, well, several, but there's lots of choices of types of policies. The um, families don't always understand exactly what the benefit triggers really are. They just sort of read it superficially and don't understand. Caregivers, and by caregivers, I mean everyone, the doctors, rehab, oncologists, any other kind of specialist, and the day-to-day caregivers, they don't always document the care that is being provided in the same manner as the long-term care insurance company is looking for, not because they're not trying to. I, I, I believe that most people that are caregivers are amazing humans because they're caring people, but they don't have the time to learn the nuances of the different contracts. And oftentimes they just don't get it documented. Or what we've learned is that sometimes they think if they under document that will that will save a family from having to pay more for the care. And that in fact is kind of like shooting the claim in the foot. Right. So we have to help them through that. But even hospitals, doctors, I mean, we help them with the documentation. We had a doctor say, I didn't learn this in medical school. I don't know what they're looking for. Right. So you just help, you know, we don't write their recommendations, but we just tell them what needs to be included so we can make sure that everything matches right. to that claim gets approved and, and stays approved. So um, I wanted to ask you, because I think you have like these four pillars that you tell right. people, uh, they're like guiding guiding pillars, uh, either right. in 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 seeking long-term care insurance policies or in trying to resolve them. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and I've been using them on you a little bit here, Phyllis, but um, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, we- yes, when I, we wanted to spell, I wanted to spell yep. that very clearly. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk to a family who was trying to get a long-term care insurance claim going, we tell them that there are four steps or four stages really that all have to be addressed simultaneously. And the first one is the contract. So I call them the four C's. Um, So the first one is the contract. And by contract, we mean that long-term care policy. You must have a copy. And one of the mistakes that families members often make very um, innocently is they call the insurance company to ask questions because they don't have a copy of the policy. And the insurance company transfer them to the claim department, who then ask them a series of questions. And the family unknowingly shoots the claim in the foot because they don't know they're answering the question wrong. They don't know what the problem is. And they're not, you know, so, and I'm not saying the insurance company is trying to be mean about it either. It's, it's just human beings. This is a very human process. 
So the contract is the first thing and, and the, the first pillar, using your word, um, of getting a claim. Make sure you have a copy of the claim. And if at all possible, don't try to don't talk to the claim department until you have a copy, excuse me, of the policy and you've read it or you've had us read it um, and go over it with you. The second C is the claimant or the policyholder. So the policyholder has to be asking for and receiving the kinds of care the contract says it'll pay for. And a lot of families um, don't understand that most long-term care policies can pay for some informal things such as housekeeping, meal preparation, even um, helping with medication management, as long as they always meet the benefit triggers. <clears throat> so the third pillar of, of a long-term care claim is all of the caregivers. So I, there is, we use the C for caregiver, but it is everybody, like I said a few minutes ago, everybody from their key, do, their primary doctor, the hospital, rehab unit, nursing home, day-to-day healthcare providers, everyone A to Z has to document their care in a consistent manner. And one doctor's medical records that's not current can, can completely kill a long-term care claim. And then the, the fourth C of, of the, our claim process is the insurance carrier or the insurance company. Um, for the most part, most of these insurance companies that sold long-term care policies in the 1990s don't sell these products anymore. It didn't end up being as profitable as they thought it would be. 2008 happened, families held onto their policies. I mean, lots of reasons they decided, well, holy Toledo, we, we're not gonna sell these policies anymore. So it doesn't mean they can get out of paying claims. What's happened is the carriers have contracted with third party administrators for the most part to handle their claims but it is still a very human process. And these third-party administrators, again, not bad human beings, in fact, very helpful human beings, but there are still all these other three pillars and then everything has to be sent to the insurance company in the protocol that the insurance company is looking for on the date that they're looking for um, with the exact care notes and medical records to match the care that is being provided in, as well as itemized invoices and day-to-day -day care notes. And that is a lot of documentation and it gets missed. Just little things get missed. A doctor's a medical records might say from two years ago that a client is independent, or it might say, well, he could use help with grooming. But grooming is not specific enough for most policies. It needs to say they need help with bathing and dressing. So a big challenge of claims, and then I'll stop and let you ask some questions. A big challenge of claims is this is not one and done. So claims don't get approved and then every month it pays out for the most part. They have to be reproved every single month. Oh, gee. Yeah, and it's that is very shocking to families. Um, and the insurance companies can ask for a new assessment anytime they want, as is their right. They're again, they're trying to be good stewards of the finances they've been set to guard. And we just help make sure that the the insurance company has everything they need so that they can have zero questions about whether or not this claim should be paid. So, well, I mean, this is just so much information. I, I think uh, between all the information that Ben was able to give us in the first segment and what you're providing now, it's, it's just so much. I, I think we're going to have to have you back to talk more about this because I think there's a lot of information that people really need to know and understand in this process. I'm sure there are many of our listeners who are really in the throes of this and are having tremendous difficulty. As with, as you say, these are not bad people, but they have a responsibility or job to do at their end of it. But if, if anybody has ever had an experience calling an insurance company, whether it's car insurance or any other type of insurance, this is not an easy landscape to negotiate. And a company like yours, um, Family Solutions for Care, that's providing this service to people, it's, it's just, 
invaluable, absolutely invaluable. So how would you tell people besides the phone number? Is there another way for people to contact you or look up Family Solutions? Yeah, sure. Yes, we get a lot of visitors to our website. A lot of people find us just through Google search, but our website is familysolutionsforcare.com. We're very proud of our, our Google ratings, our testimonials. Families send us love letters. They forget they met they, they don't remember meeting me or anyone on, on the entry-level team that is the first point of contact, but they fall in love with our claims processors because they get one specialist that works with them the whole time of the claim. I mean, obviously, as human beings can, um, and they have one phone number to call. So they really get to know this is a, our business is family serving families. So we are we are actually a lot of us are family members, as many small businesses are. But we are we have some of the most caring and compassionate human beings working on our team. Um, they have, they make me a better person just by being around them every day. So I like to tell people, cause I don't want to be negative about long-term care insurance. Long-term care insurance works. It's just one kind of insurance that's counting on a primarily senior audience to navigate through a very complex process while the wheels are falling off the bus. So hiring a team like Family Solutions for Care is very similar to hiring an accountant to help you do your taxes. It's just having a professional help you gives you a much greater chance of success. And families need these benefit dollars. That's why they bought the policies. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, when I came out to Kansas City a few years ago and I met you and... Uh, and the team at Family Solutions for Care, and I actually had also met Ben at that time. Um, I heard some of those letters. I remember you reading some of them, and they really are, they're really very touching uh, to know that you are helping people in that way, helping them solve their problems, helping them negotiate this labyrinth of of reimbursement that is is just not easy and knowing there there's somebody to hold their hands and navigate it with them is just really phenomenal so you know hats off to family solutions for care i think you're doing tremendous work and i hope we'll have you back and you can talk more about it i would be honored thank so, you so much thank you wendy and um so i'm going to be signing off now i thank ben rao for the information he provided in the first segment and wendy reinhardt please join our next episode of senior straight talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives please remember to like click and share our episodes and until next time stay safe stay well and stay tuned Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.